Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Oh man, was last week awesome or what? Right? 18 people got baptized. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be excited about, watching people go public with their faith. So we encourage you to do so at our next baptismal if you have not done so yet. This morning, I want to talk to you about this big idea. A God-centered life builds a bold life. A God-centered life builds a bold life. Turn to your neighbor, turn to someone near you. It's first service. Say, live bold. All right, it's first service. You know the drill. We got to wake it up a little bit. Say, live bold. Man, that's good. Strong's Concordance defines boldness as this, courage and confidence in approaching God and other people. Courage and confidence in approaching God and other people. And I would even add into that definition, I would even add in situations. There's moments in life where you have to be bold in situations, the, the writer of Proverbs says this, he says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. I love that. Psalms 27.1, the psalmist writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat my flesh, my adversaries and foes, is this who stumble and fall? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. These are strong words. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. In Philippians, we see the Apostle Paul in chapter 1. He's imprisoned. He is down and out, but he's keeping his head up. He's remaining to live bold. So bold that the imperial guard is around him and they're knowing Jesus. That those who fell, fall and fell under Paul's ministry and, and saw Paul observed and lived his life, they started believing so much so that they can go public with their faith even more so. Paul's action encouraged others to live bold. So one more time, do this for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, live bold. I want us to be encouraged as a church outside these walls that God calls us to live a life of boldness. There's this man, his name was Sergeant Alvin York. He's from Cumberland, Tennessee. Uh, he was famous in, in uh, 1918, October 8th, 1918. He was given the order and instruction that his platoon was supposed to engage and conquer uh, Nazi Germany on hills 223 and 224. Whenever he was there with his fellow comrades, they got the order to engage at 610 in the morning. As Alvin York and the rest of his comrades, they began to engage. They were supposed to take these hills and ultimately disrupt this German supply line and this German uh, reinforcement railroad. So they start to engage, and they're going through this valley, and the hills are on top, 
and the Germans have mil military machine guns aimed down below. They're given one command, and so they had to act. They had to go. They had to press forward. They had to live and move and act with such a boldness. When Sergeant York and the rest of his men start, started to engage, they were going, and, and he even says this. This was a quote in an autobiography. He says, I'm telling you, the hand of God must have been on me in that fight. No other power of heaven could save a man in a place like that. Men were killed on both sides of me, all around me, and I was the biggest and the most exposed of all. Without the help of God, I love his little Tennessean right here. He goes, I guess, I guess, I don't know how you say that properly. Couldn't have done it, Sergeant Alvin York. He notes that they were so, they were under fire so much that they dropped to the ground and they just tried to get away and move. Their, their backup didn't arrive. They were caught in the fight at some other time or at some other place on the front line. As they, as they kind of got away, they went around this bank and they popped out over some brush. And when they popped out over some of the brush, they ran into a group of soldiers on the other side, these Germans. Germans caught off guard and thinking that there was more U.S. and allied troops, they immediately put their hands up and surrendered. Their, their path led them to the backside of the machine guns that were raining fire down in this valley. And as they went through, they didn't know what to do, but to engage, all they could do was to move in a boldness. And so they begin to engage. And they start to engage in more and more men started to surrender. They started moving through the, the backside of the front line of the Germans, of the, uh, of the German army position. And as they went through, more men engaged and more men surrendered. And as they kept going, who they were marching, who they captured and who was behind them started to accumulate. When it was all said and done, Alvin York and only seven men captured 132 Germans. All by the hand of God. They had no, no reason to survive that fight. All they did was live bold. Today I want to encourage you to live bold. And it also leads me to our hang-up this morning is this. Many times we define a boldness in different parameters. We define boldness with people who speak bluntly. We define boldness in maybe that outfit someone wears. We define boldness in those moments where we want to express our opinions online. We define boldness by taking uncalculated, not prayed through uh, steps and leaps, and we just say, I'm going to act bold. Today we're going to be looking at this story by the man of the name of Elijah. He's a teacher of the prophets. He lived a remarkably bold life. He had highs, he had lows, but he was a man known to follow God's commands. In Elijah's time, he had an arch emesis, an, an enemy that was like no other, pure evil. Their names were King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And whenever they had to 
have these moments where they encountered one another. Scripture even defines Ahab as the most evil individual, the most evil king to ever been or have been alive to that point. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they would build altars and temples to false gods, Baal and Asherah. They brought the Israelite nation uh, in, into a, such disarray that it messed people up. It took these people so far away from God. Many times it was custom when something supernatural happened, when the one unique God who we spoke about last week, who Moses taught this nation, when something would happen in the Israelite nation, they would build an altar saying, this is where God did something supernatural. King Ahab and Jezebel started to destroy these altars all through this land. Simply evil. And Elijah was called to confront this evilness. So today, I want to talk to you about living a bold life. And when you live a bold life, you're going to live your best life. And we're going to pull some perspectives and points that Elijah gives us. So four steps to building a bold life. Number one is this, show up when God calls. You have to show up when God calls. First Kings 18, one through two. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah to show himself to Ahab, now famine was severe in Samaria. Right now the nation is in disarray. It's, it, it's faced with very many trying times. But Elijah had to show up. Show up means you got to be present. So I think it's important to understand this. You cannot see what God wants you to see if you're not willing to go where God wants you to be. I believe this through and through. That's why we meet every week, constantly throughout the week, as a church, we show up where God calls us to be so we can see what God allows us to see. I want to encourage you, make church a priority. Make church at the top of your list because if you, got, if you want God to move, move in your life, you have to show up where God works in our lives. He uses his church. That's why so much so we believe in missions here at Faith Assembly. We believe in sending people across the seas and in U.S. and our backyard, everywhere and anywhere to send people to be present. Being present matters. You have to show up to places even though it can be challenging. Can you imagine Ahab, this king that's so evil that scripture records that he would do so many just egregious things that Elijah, this one prophet, would have to engage. First Kings continues and it says this, 18 and 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and follow Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and fight 450 prophets of Baal, 450 or 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 
See, show up means you have to be able to take a risk. When you want to engage, or when you don't want to engage, you have to show up when it's an unwanted time, when you're unsure of the situation, when you have no idea what to do next. God calls, we show up. God calls, we show up, and God does something miraculous in those moments. Larry Landau, a philosopher of science, has spent the past decade studying management or risk management. He writes, uh, we live in a society so driven that we suffer from what is called risk lock, a condition like gridlock that leaves us unable to do anything or go anywhere. In his conclusion, as we try to avoid risk, the truth is that everything involves risk risk. Risk Risk-free is a myth. When we got to show up, it means we have to take a risk. It means there might be fear, but we have to have courage. We have to have boldness to show up. Elijah shows up to engage this evil king. He didn't know what to do exactly next. He just knew that God called, he went. Number two for us this morning is this. We need to stand out trusting God's power. Stand out trusting God's power. I love this because Elijah, he, he creates the challenge. 1 Kings 18, 20 through 26. So Elijah, so Ahab, sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him with the word. And then Elijah said to the people, I, even only I, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So it's Elijah verse 450, plus an audience, plus this ruthless king. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it, and I, will prepare to the, uh, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call the name upon my Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first. For you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, six hours. O Baal, answer us, they cried, but there was no voice, no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. Standing out with God's power, means his odds are different from our odds. When God is in the mix, the way we look at things is different. Elijah, he is, he's going, can you imagine going against 450 people that are saying no? There's this test out there that uh, they've, they've done a while back where research, they put 25 students and pass a certain uh, stick around, okay? Now there's two sticks. There was a short stick and a long stick. Whenever they had passed this stick around in the classroom, 24 of the students were told to say, hey, whenever you see it, say the short stick is the longest stick. 
the one student was left out of the experiment. When they passed around the sticks, all the students said the short stick was the long stick. And then it got to the last student, the student removed out of the experiment. Guess what that student said? The short stick is the long stick. That's only 25 students. Elijah was going against 450 plus possibly 400 more false prophets. Standing out means we have to recognize that God's odds are different than our odds. How long will you limp between two different opinions? It's not a mix. It's not God's opinion and and then we'll take a little of this spice and add it to the soup. It's, It's God or nothing. Elijah entered into a moment where it was either him or he didn't know what was going to happen. But he showed up and he trusted God's power. When you move forward, God's right behind you. Many times we say, hey, there's the door. God, you open it up, and then I'll go through. I want all my stepping stones placed across the river. God's saying, you start, you start stepping, and I'll put, that, I'll put that stone there. If you're in this place right now, I want to encourage you. Continue to move forward. Even Matthew 26, verse 4, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. And he's even talking about money. And maybe it's not a false god you're wrestling with. Maybe it's culture. Maybe it's influence. Maybe it's family. Whatever the case might be, be bold, sell out for God. Ultimately, he's showing that a king, he's showing up the king and, a, and the queen. The crucial issue that led people into a life of disobedience. Standing out also means we need to be willing to move forward. To go back is nothing but death. To go forward is the fear of death and life everlasting beyond it. I will yet go forward. John Bunyan penned these words in the Pilgrim's Progress. See, Elijah is mixing it up. When, when, when he's called to show up and, and stand up trusting God's power, he went behind enemy lines. He, he went where he was the outsider. I believe that the church is going to move forward in this day. Church, the American church in general, we have to be willing to become a diverse church. We have to be willing to build a relationship. We have to be willing to say, hey, you belong before you believe, but I want you to brush shoulders with me and see my God move in a way that you can't even imagine. So many times, so many times, fear paralyzes us, but we know what's in the past, and God knows what's in the future, and God's also going to be there for us. See, Elijah, he went and he confronted Ahab. He went and posed the challenge. He goes, and then check this out. I'm not going to read it just for the, the, the time's sake, but then he goes and he mocks the people. He says, these people, they're, they're dancing, they're cutting themselves for six hours. And, and he's over there in, in scripture, and I, it can be graphic, but Elijah, and even some scholars believe this could be a little downfall that we see later on in Kings 19, but he even says, is your God relieving himself if you're picking up what I'm putting down? Because their God is absent. Elijah's mocking them. He's moving forward. 
But then he does this. He, he realizes these people, they, they've missed it. They, they're not seeing it. They, they've sided with this evil king. And, and then standing out, Elijah says, come, experience what God's going to do. 1 Kings 18, 30 through 35. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. This is one of those altars that King Ahab and Jezebel dismissed. Elijah then took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the or son, 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar as great as the wood contained two seas of seed. And he put wood, and he put wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said, fill four jars of water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench with water. Gallons and gallons and gallons of water were covering this altar. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to light something on fire, the last thing I'm going to use is water. If I'm going to get something going, I'm going to use a methodical step-by-step process. But Elijah, he calls others. He's trusting God's power. He's in such a moment where it's God's power is going to show up or he didn't know what he was going to do. God's power was going to occur or he didn't know what was going to come about. And he invites others to see. He says, come see. We just spent six hours watching you do something that was just almost laughable. I want you to come see what my God's going to do. The other day, I was playing golf with some friends and I hit a shot about 50 yards out, went in the hole. I look around and I'm like, Next Tiger Woods, next Phil Mickelson. I'm like looking around. No one saw. I'm like, I'm like serious. Like, did you, you guys see this? Like, you see this? Like, I'm walking up to pick the ball out of the cup. They're like, yeah, good job, man. My point is this. You can celebrate all by yourself. If others aren't there, you can dance all by yourself. But if others aren't dancing, you're just the awkward one at the party. When Elijah's getting ready to see this miracle come down from heaven, he didn't want others to miss out. He says, come, be a part. Then Elijah, he prayed, number three for us is this, pray God-sized prayers. Elijah prayed a small prayer, but it produced mighty results. I believe it's because he pushed everything to the middle. I believe there was no going back. I believe that he was saying, hey, I'm wagering right here everything on you, God. The bigger the risk, the bigger the prayer, the bigger God had to deliver in his life. 1 Kings 18, 36, 39. And at that time of the offering of oblation, 
Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people, and these are important lines, that this people may know that you, or that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell down and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it and they fell down to their faces and said, Lord, he is God. Lord, he is God. It's important to note here that Elijah prayed God's will first. A while back I heard uh, a pastor friend of mine, he was speaking and he says this, uh, it, it, gave me, it shifted my perspective about prayer. And I want to encourage anybody, and I, and I share this with anybody. He says, a lot of times in our prayer life, we pray the essential prayers. He's like, there's nothing wrong with praying essential prayers. God, I, I, I need a job, will you please provide a job? God, I, I need a restored relationship, will you restore a relationship? There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But then when you go and look how Jesus taught, okay, Jesus teaches about prayer later on in the Gospels, and he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Many times we skip some of these outlines, we skip some of these lines, and we pray our essential prayers. When you look how the way Elijah prayed, he wasn't concerned with his life. He didn't say, Lord, if you don't do this, I'm going to die. That was what was at stake. He said, Lord, you show everybody what I already know. You show this nation that's fallen away that you are the one true God. And then, Lord, may their hearts be turned back. He prayed for God's will first. Then he prayed for the heart of people. I want to encourage wherever you're at in your prayer life, and I've even experienced it personally, sometimes when our essential needs aren't being met, we need to quit asking our God, uh, God to, hey God, just meet my essential needs, but we should be changing our perspective to God. God, where do you want me to flourish in this life for your kingdom? God, where do you want me to, to, to be the best Blake or be the best you you can be? And when you do that, your prayer perspective changes. I want to encourage you, just like Elijah, pray God's will be done and that the hearts of people are changed. Four for us today is seize the moment with godly obedience. I've always wrestled with that one because when I look at the next verse after what happens, 1 Kings 18, 40, and it says this, And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape, and they seize them. So right now this nation, they turn their back against this evil king. They turn their back against these false prophets or these false prophets and these false gods. And they said, Elijah, we're sold out because we saw this miraculous miracle. But, and Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. 
Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon, and they slaughtered them there. Now, every time I've read that in the past, when I was prepping this week, I've, I read that in the past, I, I imagine a guy like Mel Gibson or like Gerard Butler with a sword saying, we're going to go get these guys. They're wrong. They're evil. Let's go. Yeah, like our God is right. You know, this, this crazy warrior scene. But then when you think about it, can you imagine how hard it would have been for Elijah to take the life of these false prophets? I think about it, it's, it's countrymen, it's, it's people. We see another side of God. Sometimes we don't speak about it, we don't highlight. But where God exists, evil cannot. See, if I'm Elijah, I'd probably say, okay, you guys made a mistake. Like, it's okay. Like, if you come over to the good side, we'll spare your life. But Elijah kept the commands of God. We see that in Deuteronomy when we talked about Moses last week. And it says this, If you hear in one of your cities which the Lord your God has given you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away from the, the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Then you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. And behold, if it be true and certain that such an abomination has been done among them, then you should surely put the inhabitants of the city to the sword, devoting it to the destruction and all who are in it and its cattle in the edge of the sword. Now, I'm thankful we don't live in a time like this where so many people have maybe made these kind of mistakes. But Elijah teaches us we have to seize the moment with godly obedience. A.W. Tozer, he often wrote about this idea that if we're not obedient, then our prayers are aimless. If we're not obedient, our prayers are kind of just words. I can't imagine Elijah being there when he's saying, yes, God's on my side, I'm for this is what needs to happen, but it's still an act that is so, I can't even picture that in my mind. Lives were lost because they fell away. They didn't see it. When it comes to being obedient to God, it can be challenging. It can be stressful when you have to have that hard conversation and you're like man I don't want to have that hard conversation when you have to discipline a child and you just don't feel like disciplining a child when you have to say no to certain substances when you have to say you know what I, I, I need to maybe get out of this career field but it's toxic in my life and in my relationship. But God, I don't know what's next because if I leave here, then I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you are going through, live bold and live with obedience. We see again in the, the Apostle Paul, he writes this in Ephesians 3.11 verse 12. I, I love how the Passion Translation puts, he says, this perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages. Talking about Jesus coming for his people, bringing a new love, a, a new message. 
and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ that now we have a boldness through him and free access as kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. Jesus brings a boldness in our life. The Old Testament points to Jesus for the radical life, the grace, the love that he brings, people who are willing to listen, people who are willing to show up, to stand up, to pray God-sized prayers, to say, hey God, I, I don't know what to do right now, but I'll be obedient in what you've called me to do. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. So today, I wanna to encourage you with this. This is our hope for you is this. One, that you start a relationship with Jesus. It's through him that we discover true boldness and it's how we have a relationship. So we're gonna pray in just a moment. And if you wanna start a relationship with him, I'm just gonna ask you to say words, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I wanna start a relationship with you. I profess that God raised you from the dead, therefore I am saved. And you have that one-on-one -on -one conversation when we pray. And some of you in here right now, I just also wanna encourage you, maybe you need to start living bolder. Maybe you need to start living bold. And not obnoxiously, but maybe with just what God's word says and how to live and, and be obedient and, and move through it. Maybe you have to show up, stand up, and start praying God-sized prayers. I believe this is a bold church for Southwest Florida and God has amazing things in store. We had an amazing 80 years so far. We're gonna have another amazing 80 years ahead, but it starts with living a God-centered, bold life that brings us our best life. So I'm gonna ask each and every one of us to stand and we're gonna close out in prayer. God, right now, we just call in your name and we say thank you. Thank you for giving us opportunity to live bold. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to pursue you and your name and all that you've destined for our lives, for those hearing online, for those here in this place, for those who are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you saying, God, we want to follow you. I pray right now that you just guide them and lead them, moving their lives in ways we can't even imagine. And God, right now, for those who are struggling with this idea of boldness or what it means to live bold, I pray right now you continue to help them to build a bold life by simply trusting you and putting you in the center through a relationship with your son, Jesus. So God, be with us, guide us and lead us. And in your great name, everyone says, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.